just going to say this. Uh, occasionally people in the church will call me and ask me some questions from the Bible. And sometimes I may know a little bit about it. Sometimes I have to say, scratch my head and say, you know what, I don't know either. And uh, let's, let's study this a little bit and let's look it up. And uh, I received one such call uh, this week that was on the topic of cherubims and uh, the description of them that are given in the book of Ezekiel. And we find them in chapter number 1. We find them again in, I think it's like 23, chapter 23 or so, 28, somewhere in that range. Um, and uh, as I was reading the descriptions and trying to mentally picture and visualize the descriptions of them from Scripture, I was in awe again, and it's been a while since I'd been through the book of Ezekiel in detail. And I was in awe at the greatness of God. And uh, I would encourage you, I know you're reading a lot right now, and Miss June, I know it's two hours already, but when you get time, mark this on your list of things to do this year. Would you take and read Ezekiel 1? Now, it's talking about a cherubim there. But think about this. If the cherubims are as they've been described in Ezekiel chapter number 1, can you imagine what God must be like? Well, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. So I'm just going to leave you with that. You can mark that on your to-do list for later in the year, Miss June. And once you're done with the 90-day, do what? Pardon? Oh, okay. Well, there you go. That is true, but that's that's one of those chapters you're going to want to read slowly. It may take you two days to read chapter 1 because uh, you'll want to read it slowly. Jonah chapter 1 tonight, you should already be there, hopefully you're there. And uh, let me ask you a couple of things here. When I say the word, or when I get, I'm going to call out some, some Bible names and you tell me the first thought that comes to mind. Uh, let's, uh, let's start with Noah, the ark or the flood, okay? Uh, Moses. Red Sea, the rod, the staff, okay. Um, Adam, Eve, the Garden of Eden, first sin, okay. Um, what about Gideon? Gideon, how much? Cowardly, okay. 300 men. Uh, David, shepherd, man after God's own heart. So <clears throat> when we... Here names of characters in Scripture, we have a preconceived notion of them. When I say the name Jonah, what's, what, what comes to mind? The whale. I mean, that's like, wow, nobody's in doubt about that. But there's something in Jonah that, if we're not careful, we'll have this mindset of the whale and the big, miracle, supernatural working of God. And don't, don't misunderstand me. <laughs> Lest we don't understand this fully, the very fact that a whale could swallow a man and have him in his belly for three days and then spit him up on dry land, there is no doubt in my mind that was supernatural. Would you agree with me on that? That the, the fact that that whale was just in the right time, at just the right place, for Jonah not to drown in the tempestuous sea as he's thrown overboard... But there's something else that is absolutely so supernatural in this book that we so often, because we focus on the, the, what's the obvious part of it, we miss one of the great, great truths of Scripture. 
And I want us to look at that tonight in Jonah chapter number 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the son of uh, Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for the wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarsus from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarsus, so he paid uh, the fare thereof and went down into it uh, to go with them unto Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. And the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares and were in the ship, uh, that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. I don't know how in the world he could be doing that, but he is. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us, and we perish not. And they said every one to his fellow, Come and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. And then they said unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. Uh, what is thine occupation? Whence comest thou? And what is thy country? And of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. And they said unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea might be calm unto us? For the sea wrought, uh, uh, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up, and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. We get to the first part of the book of Jonah, and I do like everybody else does. I have a negative view of Jonah. Because he, here's a man who God comes to and tells him, Jonah, I, I have a job for you to do. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. Nineveh was well known at this time. Nineveh was one of the very large trade cities of the day. And, uh, and there are some estimates from archaeological digs and things they've done that there could have been as many as one million or more people living in and around the very uh, immediate vicinity of the, the city of Nineveh. So a very large, very large city with a lot of people in it. And, uh, and God looks down and he sees the wickedness of Nineveh, and he's going to bring judgment. In fact, he, he's already made up his mind. I'm going, to, I'm going to just annihilate them. I'm going to kill them all off. But isn't it wonderful that we have a God who's always willing to give a chance to repent? I'm thankful we have a God like that, aren't you? Because I'm going to tell you right now, when I look at how many times I fail him, I'm thankful he gives me another chance. And I'm thankful he's always willing, with his arms wide open, for me to come back to him. But I want you to notice some things that are said here about Jonah because uh, if we just take what we've read so far in the book of Jonah, uh, we would say, boy, this Jonah, he was, he was quite a scoundrel, wasn't he? Uh, he, was, he was just an ordinary fella who uh, turned and said, you know what, I'm not going to serve God. I'm afraid of the, the, the Ninevites and I'm not going to go there. And, and when we look at Jonah, we find him uh, frail and, and lacking in faith. We see him... Uh, shriveling up in cowardice about serving God and no boldness and nothing really there. But I want you to notice this, that in the first part of the chapter, in verse number 3, two different times, in verse number 3, uh, it says, Jonah rose up uh, to flee unto Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. 
and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it uh, to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Two different times that statement is made from the presence of the Lord. And I want you to understand this, that when God has a work to do, he never sends us to do the work if he does not personally accompany us. He's the one, and and we know this from other scriptures, don't we, from the New Testament, that without him it's impossible to do anything. With man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. We know these truths. But so often I feel like sometimes that when God gives us a work to do, we think that we're hung out high and dry by ourselves to do it. I think sometimes we feel like, boy, where's God? I, 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 I know He's got a work for me to do, and I know He wants me to go out here and be doing these things. But I want you to know that where God calls us to go do something, He always goes with us. I'm reminded of the story of the three Hebrew boys who were thrown in the midst of a fiery furnace. And they, by faith, told the king, we're not going to bow, and it doesn't matter what you do to us, and our God will deliver us. They didn't know if God was going to deliver them by death, or if God was going to deliver them by it through the fire. But they knew that one way or the other God was going to deliver them, didn't they? God was with them. And any time that we depart from what God has for us to do, we begin to leave the presence of the Lord. There was a song written years ago that said, It isn't God who's moved. It isn't God who's moved. If we find ourselves further away from God than where we used to be in our life, then who moved? We did, didn't we? There's no doubt that we find in the first part of this book, Jonah, this failure, this frail man, this man who was lacking in faith, this scaredy cat, this man of cowardice. And by the way, let me just say this. We can look at that and we can be very judgmental of Jonah, but the truth of the matter is there are times in my life And there are times in your life that we do the same thing, don't we? We know God wants something of us and we don't do it for whatever the reason. I want you to notice that it took him from the presence of the Lord. There's a lot to be said in verse number 3, that he paid the fare thereof. I've heard preachers preach on that phrase, that sin will always cost us more than we want to pay. And Jonah's sin cost him. He had to pay the fare of running from the presence of God. He certainly paid for it later on. As we go down into verse number 4, the Bible says, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. And uh, all the way down to verse number 5, and I find this interesting that that Jonah puts this in here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. Again, understanding the Holy Spirit gave the men that wrote these scriptures for us the exact words he wanted in here. And so we find in verse number 5, Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares and were in the ship... Uh, that were in the ship, into the sea, to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. Does that puzzle anybody else besides me? Any of you ever been on a boat? Any of you ever been on a boat when the waves were a little bit high, maybe the lake was, the storm was coming in, the kind of tosses you around? Your adrenaline kind of starts rising, doesn't it? It's not time to go take a nap. I mean, the lightning starts crashing around you. You're, you're trying to figure out, am I going to make it safe to, to shore? Is the wind going to blow me uh, to an area that I don't want to be? Is it going to run me aground? Is it going to push me into the rocks or the cliffs? 
when I was down in Florida, we had the ocean, and uh, when we went out through the inlet out into the Atlantic Ocean, uh, we could go from waves that were only a foot to two foot high to waves that were 10 and 12 foot high. And you're out there in a little boat, and boy, that boat's just going up and down and up and down, rocking all over the place. You get a storm come up out there in the Atlantic Ocean, it's nothing for a boat to go under. And you certainly, if you're on that boat, are not sleeping. And this tells me something that I think we can learn from. For you see, we're living in very tumultuous days, aren't we? We're living in times that, to be honest with you, as we look around our society and our culture, it makes us wonder how any Christian can be asleep in the storm. But yet there are. Here's Jonah in the middle of this unbelievable tempest. I mean, these guys are in fear of their lives and crying out to their gods. And here's Jonah asleep, unconcerned. If we're not careful, we will find ourselves in the same condition that Jonah was. Our lives in turmoil, the, the life of those around us in turmoil, and we having the answer are asleep in the boat. So Jonah's asleep in the middle of all this. They come and they wake him up. And notice what the uh, the master of the ship says in verse number 7. And they said, everyone to his fellow, come, let us cast... Or uh, verse number 6. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us, and we perish not. I believe that something very similar to that one day will be said in heaven as we stand there witness to those that are lost being judged. And Christ saying, Depart from me. I never knew you into everlasting darkness. One of the great fears of my life is that I will stand there and see people that I have been acquainted with and have known that will look across heaven at me and say, Why did you never tell me? It's one of the great fears of my life. Here's this captain. He's responsible for the boat comes down, he wakes Jonah up, shakes him perhaps, and says, Hey, what are you doing? We're in fear for our lives here, and you're laying here asleep? And I wonder often if perhaps we won't hear something similar to that. I was headed to hell, and you were asleep. Storm was raging. I was in imminent peril, and you were asleep. We find that certainly Jonah was a failure. But I am so thankful, aren't you, that God didn't quit on Jonah. The Bible says that this great fish had swallowed him up, verse number 15, so they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. The chapter headings and verses, verse numbers, were not part of 
these books. When they were originally written, they were placed there later, so it would help us to find and locate portions of the books. If you were to read this from verse 17 into verse number 1 of chapter 2 without the pause of the chapter division. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord, his God, out of the fish's belly. Now we're not going to look at the prayer right now, but I want us to think about this. Why is it that so often... We wait until we're in the belly of the whale before we pray. Why, why, why do we do that? Wouldn't it be far better if Jonah had been praying to God before this? What if when God came to Jonah and said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, if no, Jonah would have said, Lord, I need to pray with you about this. I'm scared. I'm afraid. I don't have faith. Do you think God might have helped him? You think God might have given him courage and strength? Oh, I'm certain he would have. Because God's presence was there. And wherever Jonah went, in the will of God, God's presence was going to be there, wasn't it? Jonah's an ordinary man. He's not unlike you and I. Very much like me in a lot of ways. But God loved Jonah. And God loved the nation of, or the, the city of the, Ninev- uh, of the Ninevites. He gets out of this whale. The Bible says in verse number, uh, eight, uh, verse number one of chapter three, and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, "Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach, un- preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee." So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh, <coughs> according to the word of the Lord. Not away from his presence this time, but according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey, and Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. All of a sudden we see this frail, faithless, weakling of a Christian, a prophet of God, a preacher. He's no longer weak and frail. But because of what God had done in his life, he now is a man of prayer, repentance, power, boldness with the message of God on his lips. He's a man of surrender and obedience. Aren't you glad God didn't give up on Jonah? If God had given up on Jonah, the entire city of Nineveh would have perished. A great city, a city that had perhaps as many as a million people in it would have perished. I'm thankful God's a God of second chances. Chapter number 3, verse number 1, the Bible says that the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. I'm going to ask you a question tonight. Are there times in our lives that we need God to come to us the second time? I'm sure there are. I'll be the first one to tell you tonight. You're looking at a preacher that There have been things that God's had to come to me a second time on. But I'm thankful He does. I'm thankful He's a God of second chances. Jonah goes in and he preaches in verse number 5. I want you to see what the Bible says. So the people of Nineveh, what? Believed God. 
The people of Nineveh believed God. When we become a man or a woman of surrender, yieldedness, allowing God's presence to enable us and to embolden us to preach His Word, we begin to do what He's commanded us to do. It's amazing what God can do through us. It doesn't say that they believed in Jonah. They believed God. For the word of the king, and they, uh, sorry, and proclaim, uh, verse number five. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even unto the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered him with the sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast nor herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away his fierce, from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil, and he hath said that he would do unto them that he had said he would do unto them, and he did it not. I want to leave you with this thought. At the beginning of the message, I named some names. We thought of Jonah. We said Jonah. And everybody said the whale. From this point on, when we think of Jonah, can we think of this? An ordinary man who had an extraordinary God. An ordinary man that had an extraordinary God became the greatest evangelist this world has ever seen. He preaches the entire city. The entire. The fact the Bible says from the greatest to the least repented. That'd be like me or Brother Ron or Miss Sandy, Miss Jennifer, one of us, maybe Brother Keith, walking into New York City and preaching and the entire city repent. Do we grasp the magnitude of what God did there? Let me ask you a question. Was the whale supernatural? Yes or no? Sure he was, wasn't he? You know what else was supernatural? What God did through an ordinary man that at first failed him, but in the end surrendered and said, Yes, Lord. And God did another supernatural miracle, one that many times we overlook. God used an ordinary man to do an extraordinary thing of being the greatest evangelist that the world has seen. What an amazing thought. He preached, and perhaps as many as a million people got saved. They repented. That gives me hope. <laughs> it allows me to rejoice that God can use even me. And it ought to give you hope tonight and rejoice that God can use even you. You say, Brother Greg, what about when I fail him? He'll come to us the second time. Aren't you glad of that? But we need to be surrendered. We need to be yielded. (coughs) 
We need to do the work that God's called us to do. Let's stand together. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word.